Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hello there. It's great to be back and uh, I'm excited to share a great guest with you today, someone very new in my life, and I'm uh, so excited to share her story. Uh, this is someone who has given her service, and you know that's always something that's very important to me. Her name is Tracy Brown, and I'm going to give you a little info before I bring her up with me. Uh, she's a number one best-selling author and an international award-winning motivational speaker. Uh, she's in the mindset industry. Her signature speech, The Disease of Playing Small, is featured on Amazon Prime video series, Speak Up, Season 4. She is a U.S. Coast Guard veteran, facilitator, and spokesperson for Polk Institute on the topic of mental fitness for entrepreneurs. Her journey to, into understanding how our mind is set was born from trauma, the literal flames of life threatening burns at the age of eight, and the trauma associated with years of search and rescue and marine safety in the United States Coast Guard. Tracy's mission is to help individuals and business leaders understand that we have great power in our choices. And when we apply positive mindset, excellence in our language, and joy in our endeavors, those choices will serve the highest good for all. Without further ado, Hello, Tracy. Well, hello, Elaine. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Great. I'm excited to be here today. Well, I am absolutely excited to have you. Like this, this is going to be great. And on the heels of what I just said, it obviously did not start great for you. And and for that, oh, I I I feel it here. And I'm just going to not bother with any preamble or falderall. I would like you to just give it to us from wherever it is you want to start. Well, I appreciate that, Elaine. And, you know, I tell people my story started a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And those of us understand that statement, right? But uh, <laughs> long time ago. But yeah, I, uh, it, it, my first, what I call my first remembered trauma, because I, I think we all have traumas that we don't actually remember. But my first remembered trauma was when I was eight years old and I was uh, in a fire at my house. It was an accident. Um, we were doing a play for Christmas and uh, I was Santa Claus. Um, so I had, uh, this is back in 1969, mind you. So there's no fire retardant or anything like that. So we made the costume and I had cotton, a cotton beard that we taped to my face and cotton around my wrist and a nice flannel shirt. Well, I reached over a candle to uh, get my little bell and it melted the tape on my, on my wrist and it caught my wrist on fire. And so in the process of shaking my hand, right. to try to put it out, it, 
caught my beard on fire and exploded in my face. And the, um, you know, basically melted to my neck. And it's very, very traumatic, as you can imagine. Oh and God. think of this, though. This is the one thing I like people to understand is, is understand that in 1969, imagine being in a house with five kids as a babysitter and one of the children is now on fire. Okay, what do you do? You don't call 911 because there is no 911. No. Right? You don't, you know, it's like, so one of the kids ran across the street to our neighbor, uh, my babysitter. Now, mind you, I like, I tell the story because this is, this is what happened to me was I heard a voice that said, drop on the ground and roll around and you'll be fine. Now they didn't teach stop, drop and roll in the States yeah. in 1969. And no one, of the, no one in the family or nobody there actually said that. I asked each one, who told me to do this? No one. So I, I believe that there is a source greater than us. Uh, and, and I believe that source, I call that source God, saved my life. Um, the babysitter picked me up, put me in the bathtub, put cold water. She did all the right things. Yeah. Neighbors took me to the hospital and I was there for months. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was not only a trauma for me, and this is something that I want people to understand. When there is a trauma, it's not just the person that is experiencing it. Every person around you has their experience of that trauma as well. And I truly believe that traumas are shapers. They're not, they're not the end all, they're not the definer, they're not everything about us, but they shape how we see things, how we feel things, how we react to things. And one of the things that I learned going moving forward in my life, I was a 10-year outpatient. Uh, for that, doing surgeries and my neck and, and my, my hands and the ears. And they did an amazing job with what they had. And coming out of that, you know, what was it, four or five years later, I ended up going in the United States Coast Guard. So, and, and I, was, I went into search and rescue and we did a lot of that. I was, a, I was a boat swimmer, small boat swimmer. And so we did a lot of search and rescue. And, and unfortunately at, at that time, now this was in 1983, again, a long time ago, <laughs> right? Our boats weren't quite as fast as they are now. So many times when we would have this adrenaline rush of going out to rescue somebody and a plan to go get them to say, we're going to do this and this and this, many times instead of picking up a, a, a victim, we would end up picking, like, picking up lifeless bodies. And so that wears on you. So many, many years later, so I, I basically wandered around dealing with life, navigating life, as I say, um, with undiagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, I don't like putting that D on there because that D really messed me up for a long time. But, and, and when I finally had some uh, ability to, to go through some train or some therapy, I went through the VA, the uh, Veterans Affairs here in the yeah. United States. And they have an amazing, amazing program. So my first shout out is to any veterans that might be listening to this, please reach out to your veterans affairs, whether you're in their system or not, just go there. They'll get you in the system and they will help. Their whole mission is to help veterans and they have an amazing um, uh, trauma uh, support system here in the States. And one of the things that I learned is that traumas build on each other. So the traumas that you have as a child or the traumas that you've had as a teen or whatever traumas you've had, and then you go through other traumas. And now we look at this pandemic that we've just been through. Right. Mm -hmm. So I truly believe the statistics before this pandemic was 70 percent of the population, world population, has been affected by trauma. 
20% go into what I call a trauma loop, which would be like a post-traumatic stress disorder type thing. Um, I truly believe now with this pandemic and what we've all gone through this whole entire world, I truly believe we've all been affected by trauma somehow, some way, one way or another. And it's guiding us in how we're making decisions going forward. So my encouragement is first and foremost, if people are feeling like they're not the same person they were three years ago, if they're reacting differently to things than they did three years ago, if they just feel like they've got this heavy heaviness on them. I, I was speaking with another podcaster and we were talking about, she just felt like there was this, this overwhelming dread that was just around us all. And I, and I said, yeah, and that's, that is what I've termed a low grade depression. I, I come from the medical world and I, I do a scar tissue therapy and we talk about low grade infections and low grade these things. It's kind of a low grade depression that just sits there. You, you really can't define it, but it's just, you don't have your moxie. You don't have the motivation. You feel like, Ugh, I just want to sit in my house and do nothing. Yeah. And, and that's very, very real. And I want to encourage people that that is a real thing. So, and if you're feeling that way, the first and foremost thing that you can do, please reach out to somebody that you love and trust and tell them. When we can get this stuff out of us, it's it's huge. Just getting out and talking to somebody because you'll understand that you're not the only one going through this. And that for me was huge. I, did, I just thought I was crazy with all the traumas that I had in my life. I just thought I was nuts. And well, this is what I'm gonna have to deal with for the rest of my life. No, that is that is not true. So I try to encourage people in talking first and foremost to somebody that you trust. Find somebody if you feel comfortable to, to talk to that's a professional because you have gifts that we need. Absolutely. And that is the premise this podcast is built on. Sharing your story can lighten your burden. Absolutely. Well, that's exactly, exactly why I wanted to have you here. The other thing I would like you to clarify if you can PTSD is not limited to the military to the absolutely thank you yeah uh, my book that I wrote the number one bestseller rescue to recovery it really talks about that it's you know I for years and years and years I I was in denial if you will that I had PTSD because I was never in combat now mind you I was in the Coast Guard I was in the military, but I was never in combat. So I was like, how dare, how dare I think that I have this, that these, what these guys are going through. And that's, I, I'm sorry, but if you've ever been in, if you've ever been in a car accident, if you've ever been uh, in an abusive relationship, if there's ever been, you know, even abuse in, in other ways uh, in, in corporate world or whatever, it is not limited to anything. It is the only the only determinant is actually your disposition and how you've changed. Yeah, and it's such an important piece, especially now after this pandemic, yes. because everybody's in it. Yes. But but you said exactly what I personally went through because I was told, I don't know, twenty. 15 or 2016, oh, uh, you have PTSD. And I said, don't be ridiculous. I've never been, the only one in the military is my father. So it's got nothing to do with the military. Oh, and I've since found lots of people 
felt the same way. And it's interesting to me, it was interesting that you were in the military mm -hmm. and yet you still were undiagnosed or felt the same way, which, which yes. I think is critically important. Well, because, and here's the thing, it, it has nothing to do with combat. It has to do with the, what I call injuries to our soul. So I, I come from, I, I'm also a scar tissue therapist. I work on, on physical scar tissue. And where I really made a lot of these discoveries, if you will, in my, in my own world, is, is that emotional scars are very much like physical scars. Okay, so if you get a sprained ankle, in, when, when you have an injury, they're graded. So a sprained ankle could be a grade one, two, three, or four. It doesn't matter. You still have to treat it, yeah. right? So my grade three might be, you know, as far as trauma to my soul, could be a grade 10 to somebody else, right? Yes. It's yes. all about disposition. It's all about who you are, and it's individualized to every single person. And the other amazing thing is, just like when you have an injury to your physical body, your physical body does certain things to protect itself. Right, pain, inflammation, immobility. Don't move it; it's going to hurt. You know, send a lot of blood there. Get some inflammation there. Don't let it. Don't let it move around. Well, our our emotions do the same thing. We go into shock. We go into this pause. I call it the pause that the body and the brain go into to, to assess, try to figure out what's going on here. And so PTS, uh, and I like to take the D off because that that threw me off for a long time. Disorder, great. Now I'm broken. Yeah. Right. I'm completely yeah. broken and nobody can fix me. And it's like, no, no, that's just a, a thing that's in a medical book that doctors can look at and go, oh, this is the extreme to that. But post-traumatic stress, a, 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 a stress that you're dealing after a trauma and every single human being goes through it, whether we know it or not. And I that I didn't know either. It's just like I thought, you know, only some. No, everybody does it. Some people go through it faster, easier, and some people don't. Again, it goes back to the individual person. Every human being is different. And the other thing is when we were talking about traumas, and it's not just what I said, it's not just the trauma that I went through. It's the people that were around me that went through. They yeah. had trauma too. Yeah. And so anything that you know we're going through, anybody around that area should really have a chat. I mean, just talk about talk about your experience in that trauma, because we all went through it. We just experienced it from a different angle. So this is it's huge conversations that we need to have. Yeah. Right. Okay. Look, I I don't even have words at the moment for how huge that is. That's huge. Everybody's treating the victim, which is which is huge. That needs to happen. The person that's been traumatized, but we also need to talk to people that went that have been around it. What did you experience? That's and, and and how can we work through that? And and you know, I'm a big proponent of these days. Not was not before not before I went through some of this therapy, but a big proponent of you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability. Yeah, you know, and and you know when. I'm going to be doing a speech on, on it later on in the, in the next month. But, you know, one of the things is, you know, what do you think of when you think of the word vulnerable? You know, some people think, oh, I'm standing up in the front of people and I'm naked or I'm exposing something that could hurt me. Or 
But vulnerability is the key to connection. And when we hold these pains in, when we're not allowing people to see, Brene Brown's, you know, the definition is seeing others and allowing others to see us. That's that's vulnerability and that's connection. When we're not allowing people to see these pains or these traumas or these things that are holding us back, they will continue to hold us back. And hence the my speech on playing small. When the more we hold it back, the smaller and smaller and smaller we play. And our world gets super small. And then then we isolate and, and that's no bueno. I mean, that's that's not good. Yeah. Something in that that I think is critical for people to really understand. Yes, when we let them see us, they we can see them. Mm-hmm. But we have to get to the place that we can see us. Yes, absolutely. And that to me is where we start talking. So I can, so I can, a a good friend of mine, she has this great saying, we all need someone to talk to because we're all in a jar and we can't read our own label. Yes. Yeah. It's such a beautiful picture. Yeah. You can't read the label from the inside of the jar. But she is amazing in that, you know, we need that because it it helps us to get out of our jar. Yeah. By talking about it, we can actually see our jar. We can see inside our jar when we talk. When we don't, we get caught up in this loop in our brain. It's almost like a dream. Well, it makes perfect sense. And it's absolutely crazy, but it makes perfect sense. The minute you start talking, it's like, maybe that does make some sense. You know, and and talk to others, they can help move you through that. And it's, it's being able to break down those defenses. Yes. Because although people think often, you know, you're doing it to protect yourself. In fact, you're not. No. You're doing it to protect the tribe from you. Yes. And from your trauma. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and it's it's shocking because... You know, back in 1976, uh, when I I had my accident, my father was in Egypt. He was a peacekeeper. And back then, like you said, in 69, and th- there were no cell phones. There was none of that. My father was contacted by ham radio. And I was already married, which meant I was no longer a dependent. And he was told by ham radio that his eldest child, was dying, and as soon as they had the death certificate, they would put him on a plane. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and it was almost five days before he knew that he wasn't getting on a plane. Wow, that's absolute torture. For a parent, that's torturous. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. wow. And and yeah, it really it really was torture. I didn't get to see him for I think almost seven months after that. Yeah. But by the time he came back, he had lost so much weight, he looked like a little skeleton. I bet. Worrying for his yeah. his, his baby. Yeah. And and that's that's again, that's you went through your trauma and what he I went know. through around it. And and my mother, yeah, my mother and my sister were in Toronto. And so they had to come here. Uh, my mother didn't drive on the highway. <laughs> so so that that was a, a and didn't make left turns. So that was a bit of a a, a tricky situation for them. But 
as much as I always, I, I soothe everything with humor, the fact is they went through trauma as well. Yeah. Like it wasn't just me or, yeah. or my husband or, or whatever. It, it know, never is. Yeah. Because then there's, then you've got the, the first responders, what they went through. Yes. Right? Yeah. The first responders and, and you've got, you know, the doctors and every single person is touched. You know, there's so many people touched by one single trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we don't think about that. It's, no. it's a domino effect. And so, you know, the more conversations, and I, I'm, I'm so thankful for your podcast, the more conversations that we can have, the better off we all are because we all go, oh, and if, if one person gets a little light bulb moment from this conversation, amen, that's amazing, right? So, so we all need, and, and there's going to, and I, I like to tell people, it's like some people are going to listen to me, not everybody. Some people are going to listen to you, not everybody. But if everybody starts telling their stories, Sooner or later, everybody will be able to hear something and, and go, ah, oh, I resonate with that. Oh, that she makes sense. He makes sense. They make sense. Right. If we yeah. can all tell our stories, more people will be able to go. I'm not alone. Because we're social beings. We're meant to be in relationship. And when we have trauma, when we do, when we go through these things, we begin to shrink back and shrink back and shrink back. And that's that is not what we were intended for here on this planet. Yeah. We are yeah. intended to relate and, and and converse and be in joy with each other. Yeah, Abs know? absolutely. Yeah. And it's I I don't know what you're seeing now, but in the last ten years, mm -hmm. I'm finding that millennials and and Gen Z even more so are much more open to looking for help yes. for everything. Yes. Okay. My generation, is a, a, a multitude of reasons why we did not. Right. Because I, I'm, I'm older. And in my time, in the 50s and 60s, you could be locked up mm -hmm. for telling people you, you didn't feel right in the head. You, you could be, and people were, okay? It's to, to this day, it's one of the reasons why uh, first responders, military, police, fire, they don't talk because they, they feel as though they will be benched. Yes. And their purpose is to serve. Yeah. And they're afraid that if they, I, I see this even in physical health, it's like, don't give me XYZ diagnosis because they won't let me go out and, and work. Yeah. And so, and it's the same thing with, with emotional stuff. When in fact, when you're not addressing those things, you're more of a time bomb. Yeah. Look at it that way. than you are, if you've been through therapy, I mean, you're a much more balanced human being. If you can really get some tools. Absolutely. And in all honesty, okay. Perfection doesn't exist. Now, excellence so, is great, but perfection does not. Exactly. Yeah. And, and excellence comes from knowing thyself yep. and, and, you know, making smart choices and getting help, yep. which, you know, I think that's one of the most important messages we have to get out mm -hmm. because it is still one of the main reasons that my podcast exists. Yeah. People because, want to be here. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it's really, it's really interesting, you know, 
choices for for a long time when you're in that loop when you're in that post-traumatic loop which i i believe is probably the number one reason why people make the choices they make that's my opinion but that's what i believe um whether we're making a choice or not we're still making a choice right and so having tools when we can go and talk to somebody that understands how how the brain and emotions and all that works and how the how traumas affect us and how just life affects us when we talk to somebody that gives us tools it gives us the ability to make better and better choices and not to say that you're going to make the best choice right out the gate but you're probably going to make a better choice you're probably going to see oh you know i can do this instead of do that maybe it won't be quite so destructive for me and everyone around me right and, and not only that you you know then that you know what maybe i could talk to someone else maybe right. i should go back and talk to someone because now you've opened that door right and you know i thought for the longest time and 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 i hope somebody hears this i thought for the longest time that i if i opened that door to that trauma if i started looking at that i there was something in me that thought somehow some way i was it was going to kill me and i thought it, i would thought i was not going to be able to be functional in society that i would not be any any good to anybody and these were big lies that that come from somewhere and i and i want to encourage whomever might be thinking about it uh it was the greatest decision i ever made because it really broke free broke me free from the isolation it broke me free from that pain that physiological pain that you can't describe that there's this pain that it's like nobody nobody will get this that's a big lie that's not true there are people that completely understand this and completely have the tools that will help you navigate your way through it and beyond because you have an amazing gift to give us and we're looking for it absolutely yeah yeah and when we're when we're so locked in our traumas and we believe that we're the only person that ever suffered that particular thing yeah it does make you distance yourself even more but something um just i i come to understand over many many years it doesn't matter for some people okay the trauma could be the worst trauma in their entire life could be a stub toe could be but to that person that's a 10 that's yeah. horrific pain that's that's all of the above yeah and none of us because you said it earlier but everyone has a different perception we can't deny them their angst over their trauma. Absolutely. And humans by nature are comparative. It, it, it is how we function. You know, you can't be tall unless somebody's short. Right. Except, yeah. Yeah. All of that. And that, I think that comparison has really gotten in the way of being able to help each other get past things. Because you're so worried that someone's going to compare someone else's trauma to your trauma. It stopped me for decades. And I, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's funny because one of the first things out of my mouth when I would see a doctor or whatever was, and I know there's an awful lot of people worse off than me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like my shield. 
that I brought into to every confrontation or, or every, see, there you go. They weren't confrontations except in my head. Right. And we do tend to try to arm ourselves when there's no need. Right. There's no enemy. Yeah. 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 It's all, but it's all in our mind and, and it's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and one, one of my great defenses be, besides humor um, was really, if I didn't feel as though I could be in a crowd or be around other people, I'd be busy. You know, I can't go on busy. Well, I realized that I was just really busy trying to keep the voices in my head quiet, but, but, you know, I, I would not go to spaces because it's like, I don't, nobody needs to see this. And so that's, that's a part of the isolating process. Yeah. You slowly back out of things that you're going to do. You slowly back out until you, you get to a point where it's like, I am in, I'm in my own little box. And there is a box. I hate to tell people, you know, they say, oh, there's a box. There's a box. And we put, we put ourselves in it. Yeah. And, and that too is a choice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm on a mission through the podcast and other things to end the silence, the stigma and the shame surrounding suicide and mental health. Bless and you. To that end. I think we need to start in elementary school explaining to children that not everything that runs around in there is true, important, or real. Right. Yeah. I was talking the other day to a group of friends, and we are talking about the fact that none of the skills we need, be it how to handle finances, how to handle our head, how to handle anything else, are taught in school. No, none of it. How to write a check. Not that we really need to anymore, but it's a good skill. But it, it is. And and something funny, okay, I actually wrote it down earlier today because I thought, I don't know why or when I'll use this, but I work with a spiritual advisor for the past 20 years. And she says, school is to make good peasants. Truly. Absolutely. It really You're smart is. enough to do a task and not smart enough to ask questions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good little workers. And and we need we need thinkers, we need creative people, we need people out of the box, the other box that doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, just you know, and that's that's one of the things when you know that I, I study a lot of you know brain stuff as far as brain waves and whatnot. And um you know, we're, there's different brain waves that we, we, you know, when we're sleeping and when we're creating, and you can actually enhance those just by certain things that you do. And, you know, one of the things that I teach a lot of the, uh, you know, businesses and when I do speeches is, is teaching people how to, you know, they call it meditate, but really meditation is really just thinking about something. That's all it is. I'm meditating on what I want for dinner. That's yeah. all you doing is you're thinking about it and focusing on it. And so one of the things that I teach people is first thing in the morning before you do anything, you know, I always start my day with gratitude because I truly Amen. believe gratitude is the gateway to joy and joy is the gateway to strength. And so I start my day with three things that I'm very thankful for. 
I figure out three things that I want to accomplish in the day. And then at the end of the day, I find those moments, three moments, what, what things effective, what were the beautiful things? What were the things that I'm joyful for or thankful for that happened in the day? And that's how I kind of chunk my day. You know, it's staying in gratitude changes everything. It empowers you to be, you know, not shut down. It's, it's gratitude and joy is the highest vibration any human being can be in. Absolutely. And the more gratitude you have, the more the universe puts it all around you. Yeah. The more you have to be grateful for. Yeah. And I do say, I know some people find it irritating, annoying, what have you. To, oh, yeah. Just, you know, Miss Pollyanna there. Just <laughs> be grateful for this, that. Well, yeah. If the only thing you have, is the fact that you just took a breath mm -hmm. and you can put your feet on the floor and get out of your bed, then that's a start. Uh, you are so correct. When I was in the depths, and, and I was I was in some very, very dark, dark places. I was very depressed for, for a lot of years. And when I started learning this gratitude thing, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, but it came to the point where for a while, all I could figure out was, okay, I, I'm really thankful that I have a bed to sleep in. I'm, I'm thankful that I have hot water for a shower, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I can actually get up. I mean, there, start somewhere, start with one thing. And, and, you know, I took a breath. I woke up, you know, I, I've got a, a friend of mine. He had, uh, he had a heart attack and he had bypass surgery and he came out and he goes, wow, I have a very different perspective on every morning. Yeah. Very grateful to, wake up and take a breath. So, and, and I'm telling you, it's something magical, you know, it, it's oh, yeah. the magic to it. And, and start somewhere. Let me encourage whomever's listening, try it, you know, don't poo poo it until you try it, you know, give it, yeah. I tell people, you know, give yourself 21 days. It takes 21 days to, to create a habit, right? Give yourself 21 days. If nothing changes in 21 days, but, but give it its due. Don't Not have only that. Give keep it your eyes and ears open. Yep. Yep. Because it's all around us. It's all around us. And what what you concentrate on grows. It really, yeah. really does. Where the energy goes, you know, where the attention goes, energy flows. You know, it's just the Absolutely. way it is. It's just the, it, it, it is a natural law. Yeah. 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 It's great. So I want to ask you now, when, when, did it, when did it hit and how did you find a place to start being grateful and having gratitude daily? Um, gosh, I probably started doing this. I, I, I started realizing that I wasn't reacting or acting the way that most people do you know, to certain situations. I, I noticed that I was a little different and I'm like, and that was kind of the beginning of my understanding that maybe there's something going on here. And I didn't understand that it was trauma. I didn't understand that it was post-traumatic. I didn't understand any of that. I just knew that something's a little different with Tracy. And so, um, and somebody, it was probably 20 some odd years ago, maybe 25 years ago, somebody said, well, you know, why don't you just, do a gratitude journal. 
that was a gratitude journal, you know? And she said, well, you know, just start writing things down that you're thankful for. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I didn't understand the implications down the road what that would do. But it was, it was, she said, because when you write it down, when you're having a hard time, you can look back and you can read it. And I'm like, and now that's brilliant. That's really, really brilliant. Because I used to, I used to write, I used to write a lot of poetry and things. And it was all just, you know, it was like almost like Eeyore wrote a lot of it. It's just like, oh no, I you know. And it's like, don't don't go back and read that right now. You know, that's just gonna yeah. take you back into the depths of despair. Don't, you know. So um, so she's like, write the gratitude, write the thankful, write the beautiful, write the joy, and then go back and visit that. And that was a that was a, a big step a long time ago. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, it, it's 1997 was the I guess the the final push. If you will, yeah. And it was like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. There's got to be more to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the first real large gratitude in in that time was that the big huge man tried to run us down because it forced me to see. I was at the center of whatever was going on. So I had to deal with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell people all the time, all everything that we talk about is an inside job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, a, a great mentor of mine once said, I can do it with you, but I can't do it for you. Yeah. And it's, it, it's so true. It's like sooner or later, we have to take it and look at it and go, okay. And sometimes there's a great... Um, video by Joe Dispenza um, about reprogramming your brain. It's really great. I use it in my teaching. Love him. It's, it's, you know, we can either choose to change in crisis, which is when most people do. Yeah. You know, we get to this crossroads and it's like, okay, my fear of going forward is, is less than my pain of sitting where I'm at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so sooner or later, we make a choice in crisis. We can, though, if we so choose to do it in joy. We can just go, you know what? Uh, and Jim Rohn, a great philosopher, he was amazing. Oh, and he yeah. would say, you know, if you don't like where you're at, you can move. You're, you're not, not a tree. You're not a tree, right? <laughs> you're not a tree. Do something else. Now, mind you, going back to trauma, there are sometimes it's like, I can't. There's no way I can't. Okay, in that time, talk to somebody. Even if it's somebody that's not professional, just somebody that you know and love and trust. Trust is the big word. Tell somebody. Because that will start your journey to your greatness. I promise you. That is so, so good. I think that is a perfect place for us to start and wrap up because that's, yeah, that's wonderful. Start okay. your greatness. I absolutely love that. Yay. And I think I, I usually ask my guests to give something people can do or say or what have you in their daily lives that you find useful for you. I, I think you just gave it, but you might have something else. I think I think really it's 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 as simple and as complicated as gratitude. 
It really is. Figure out how to do it. And if you're doing it, then figure out, out how to apply it because learning is only application. You know, you can read everything on the planet. I read so many self-help books, but you know what? I was never willing to apply it. Yeah. And when I started applying the things that I had, even even one little thing, do it. <laughs> you know, the, I think that's why Nike, their whole thing just resonated. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's pretty simple. But yeah, yeah. Maybe I should just do it. So start with gratitude and then act on it. Write it down. You know, and one of the other things that I try to do, because I know one of the problem, one of the challenges, I should say, with post-traumatic stress is irritation. One person told me one time, try to find the fascination in your frustration. Oh, I love that. Yeah, find the fascination in it. So my pet peeve is when people cut me off in a car. My friends know this. And I used to get so mad and frustrated. And somebody said, turn your your frustration into fascination. And it's like, okay, how can I turn this... Well, it's fascinating that you just almost killed me, but it's also fascinating to understand that maybe I wonder why that person is in such a hurry. And and you can try to have some empathy, yeah, rather than just a knee jerk and just I just want to use one finger for you here. Yeah, you know. Um, so turn your frustrations into fascination. It's it's a great it's a great discipline. Yeah, that oh, that is excellent. Yeah, it's a fun one. So we have our marching orders. We really do. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> that was not aimed. That was that was just in my head uh, kind of homework. Our homework is to be grateful. What incredible homework. Be grateful and turn your, uh, turn your frustration into fascination. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. And I think all of that, including gratitude, comes back to curiosity. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Stay curious. curious. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that was well okay. done. <laughs> we did not rehearse that, you know. No, we did not. I want to say thank you so much, Tracy Brown. This has been fabulous. Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate you very much. Bless you. Well, thank you. And to my audience, make the very best of your today every day. And we're going to see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists.